You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Hey, this morning it's um, it's a uh, that time of year <laughs> when uh, the echo's coming around and Rome is coming to town, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we have uh, we have Pastor Shane Wallace from Rome that comes. Uh, down nearly every year, actually, I think it's every year in the last few years, just to visit us and to share with us a little bit about what God's placed on his heart, what's been going on out uh, in uh, the church at Roma, which is uh, uh, several hours away by uh, by uh, car. You can get there an hour by plane, but uh, it's a it's a small country, about 6,000 people, and uh, yeah, right uh, smack bend in the centre of this state, south towards the south, but... Uh, halfway probably between here and the Northern Territory border. And uh, uh, they're doing a great job out there, Shane and Leah Wallace, and we are uh, privileged to call, call them our friends and privileged to be praying for them and just believe in God, what He's going to do in and through their uh, ministry. Why don't we stand up for the last time this morning and why don't we show great honour and respect. Pastor Shane Wallace, he comes to share. They're good, aren't they? <laughs> Why don't you grab your seats? It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Yeah. It is, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I'm just privileged to be here again. Actually, I don't know. Um, Pastor John just keeps asking me to come back. I, I don't know why, but he keeps asking me to come back. I think he thinks I need a little dose of city every now and again. I think that's why I keep getting invited back. We're a long way out there, by the way. It is an hour by plane, but crazy people drive. And so I drove into the footy yesterday. Um, so we, I don't know, do, are you aware that your pastor here um, follows, you know, a bit of the AFL? Is anyone aware of that? If you're visiting this morning, Collingwood supporter. And so when, <laughs> so I went to the Lions yesterday, watched the Lions. Good game. Anyone who watches a bit of the AFL is a great game. But there I was in between, sitting in between two Collingwood supporters. So I thought this could get really ugly. But... <laughs> But it was a great game. And right towards the end there, I thought, oh, you know, we could have a win today. Look, we weren't expected to win. I thought we could have a win. And then right towards the end, um, you know, we had this opportunity to win and then we lost. And I was so disappointed. And I thought, gee, you know, I've driven all this way to watch the footy. And, and, and Lord, you couldn't just shower me with a win today. And it wasn't until this morning, I was talking to Pastor Tim this morning, and I realized why the Lord let us lose. Because usually... Usually when I come to Rome, when come from Roma to Ipswich, I bring my lovely family with me. And this is the first time I hadn't been able to bring my family with me. And it's a big deal because my boys get to go to the footy once a year. And uh, it's this weekend. And uh, you had to be at the, at, the, at the table the day that I had to say, look, boys, you're not coming this year. I was the worst father, not on the planet, in the universe um, that day. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to have to wear that. You know, sometimes as parents, we have to wear things. And anyway, so I wore that. But then, this, and I thought, you know, it was just terrible. Anyway, this morning I was talking to Pastor Tim. He said, oh, you know, I heard it was a good game, but you lost. I said, yeah, but mate, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because if we'd won a game that was that close with a kick right on the siren, I would have never heard the end of it. My boys would bring up that at Christmas times for decades to come. So, Lord, thank you. For letting the Lions lose, I know it was a big effort on your behalf, Lord, um, to get them the loss this year when we've won four games the entire season. Anyway, it's good. It's great to be with you this morning. It was great to hear too, um, uh, Hilsey's story. You know, I just felt this morning as we were singing that song, You Can Do It Again. Did you feel 
just sort of faith rise in the house? Did you sort of feel that? Did you sort of feel like with God anything's possible? Um, you know, if, you've, if, you're, if you're new to church or maybe just visiting a church this morning, we get that regularly. And it was just great to hear that story. I don't know where you are. Hillsy might be somewhere. But I just felt, there he is. I just felt blessed for you, mate. I just actually surprised myself when he said that. I actually felt a little bit emotional. I've, I've just felt the old, oh, I think I've got something in my eye moment. So, mate, it's great to hear that. But that's what God does, doesn't he? He blesses us. And you know what? We were down just talking about things that just happen to go cool for you sometimes. We were down on the um, sunny coast a while back. And another thing I do with my boys other than take them to the footy is they, they're right into Star Wars. Some of you may have heard about Star Wars. That's not mine, by the way. I made sure I put mine on silent. My mum always rings me when I'm preaching. Um, so, so that's just a little habit I've got into over the years, put it on silent. But um, we were, we were um, anyway, we were talking. Um, so we were at the coast and, and they're right into the Star Wars movies and and in Roma, because of the downturn with the oil and gas, it's a, it's a big cattle town. We've got the largest uh, cattle sale centre in the southern hemisphere. I don't know. Is that it? Maybe it is me. Just pull out your phone and just check that one. Um, anyway, anyway, but what happened recently with the downturn of the oil and gas, big oil and gas town, and with the downturn, um, we'd lost a lot of industry and stuff, and the cinema shut down. It's a disaster. And so... My oldest is 10. For the first time in his life, he wasn't, he wasn't able to watch a Star Wars movie at the cinema because Han Solo came out this year, if you're into that. Uh, into this, you would be aware of that. And so we were at, um, we happened to go to the sunny coast for holidays, and I reckon we caught the last showing of Han Solo at, at Chermside. So they were, they were super pumped, and I thought, thank you, Jesus. They're not going to the footy, but at least they got to watch Han Solo. Um, but I, I actually didn't like the movie. <laughs> My favourite was Rogue One. I just want to tell you, so any Star Wars fans out there, I just want to tell you a little story from a movie called Rogue One, which is a star, part of the Star Wars franchise. And um, there's this, it, right at the start of this movie, it, it was amazing. When I saw this happen, I thought, you know, so many times that's me. And the, at the start of this movie, so it's part of, if you've, you've heard of Star Wars, it's, it's one of the movies that sort of sits in between the series. A bit complicated, Star Wars, at times. I get my boys to keep me up to date. But there's this spot in the movie where there's this lady and she's in this prison like a bus. It's in the future and they're all under guard and they're all handcuffed and they're getting transported there at this sort of like this prison facility, if you like. And they're going along and there's stormtroopers and soldiers in in this bus and and you sort of think, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And all of a sudden there's a massive explosion and the back door blows off the bus and then these guys jump in and they're clearly looking for someone and they're looking for a prisoner and they're checking it out and they come to this young lady and obviously that's the person they're looking for and they're trying to re- they, they want to try and rescue her so they, they take her, it's like, you know, we're here to rescue you, we're here to help you escape and so they take her handcuffs off, you know, they get rid of the handcuffs and the minute they take her handcuffs off, she grabs this shovel and she belts the first rescuer over the head and then she starts to make her way to the door and another rescuer gets in a road so she grabs a gun and, and so, she, so these guys are trying to rescue her and she just wants to get out of this bus and she's having none of it and she's not, you know, she won't allow herself to be helped and she 
bus through the back door. And if you've seen the movie of, of this bus trying to escape, getting away from the people that are trying to help her, and she busts and she sort of jumps out the back door. And if you've seen the movie, you know it's about to happen. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to spoil it for you. But the biggest coat hanger, like, you know, in the rugby league, they do the big coat hanger, the big coat hanger possibly in the history of the world. And this massive big robot gives her this big coat hanger to the head. And she's smacked back and she's lying in the snow looking up at this guy, this robot that's like a droid that's probably two, maybe three meters tall. And he just sort of bends over and he looks down at her and he says, congratulations, you are being rescued. Please do not resist. I just thought, how often does God say that to me? <laughs> congratulations, Shane, you're being rescued. Please do not resist. And I think, you know, isn't that a lot of us some of the time? You know, with that, if you're a Christian this morning or maybe a person of faith, you, you've probably worked out that Jesus is spending a lot of time trying to rescue us from ourselves, right? He is, isn't he? He's trying to rescue us from ourselves. Because if, you, if you've sort of come to an, an appreciation of who Jesus is and why he came, you've realized a couple of things. You've realized that there's things not quite right in your world. And you've realized there's things that are not quite right in the world, and you're, you're, you sort of think there's got to be something different. There's got to be a change. And so we embrace Jesus. And when we embrace Jesus, we're all keen to make the change because we know that with a relationship with Jesus, that brings freedom. We know that, don't we? Intuitively, we know that. But then as we step into that, as you step into that freedom, we come to an awareness that it, to, to, to step into the freedom actually requires total surrender on our part. And we, we wish that it would be anything but that. <laughs> We want the freedom, but we wish it would be anything but surrender. Please, Jesus, anything but that. Anything but me totally giving you know, my life over to you. And so we have this tension in our lives where we want to be rescued, but we're not quite ready to surrender to the rescuer. Congratulations, you're being rescued. Please do not resist. I just want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your presence in the house. I thank you that you always speak into our lives. You're always there, always wanting to speak in and, and just help us and rescue us. And Lord God, this morning, even, even as I, I unpack what I think that you have for us as a group this morning, Lord God, I just pray that you'd help us, help us see those spots in our lives where we're resisting rescue. Help us to get a revelation of what it means to be rescued. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, I'm just going to read from uh, Luke chapter 5 this morning. I think there's a couple of things in there that the disciples do really, really well um, that helps us understand what it means to surrender, what it means to, to step back and go, you know what, as much as we might want to resist, this is what surrender looks like. This is what being rescued, if you like, looks, at it in, in, looks like. And in Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 4, um, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So here's a spot, in, I'll just pause there for a second. Here's a spot, you, in this part of the Bible, Simon Peter, that's talking about Peter, who, who you may know is a, one of the disciples. They've sort of met Jesus, if you like. They've, they've seen him do a few miracles, but they're not the disciples at this point. So they, they know sort of who Jesus is, but that's about it, sort of from a distance, if you like. And so this is a moment where they've seen some of the things that Jesus has done, but they're, they're certainly not in the in crowd. You know what I'm saying? They're not kind of Jesus' posse at this point. 
And so Jesus has sort of been doing the, talking you know, to the people and he just says to Simon Peter, now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. And we'll pick it up again in verse five. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, this is key, oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. So he was identifying that he was one of those people who there's stuff not right in him, stuff not right in his world. Uh, For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, which is also key. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, now here's the thing that I want us to, there's a couple of things, but here's the first thing I want us to grab out of that passage. From that moment on in time, Peter and there was three of his mates there in that little passage. From that moment in time, they were identified as disciples. So from then on, they're Jesus' disciples. And what I want you to think about is that, as I had explained earlier, they hadn't traveled with Jesus yet. They didn't know everything that Jesus was going to unpack. And even if you, if you know you, 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 the Gospels a little bit in the Bible, even after three years with Jesus, there was still a fair bit they hadn't caught on to. You're right, you're with me. So, so here we go. But from that moment on, they're called, they're called disciples. So how is it that these guys who Peter had just articulated, literally just said to Jesus, literally, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. A few seconds later, he's a disciple. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? So how did he, how did, what moved Peter then from, because it's not, obviously not a function of knowledge, what moved Peter from this position of, being, of, of saying to Jesus, move away from me, I'm a sinful man, what moved him from there to a disciple in literally three sentences, it's like four, like just a few words in your Bible. I would suggest this, I would suggest what moved Peter from that position to becoming a disciple was a function of leaving and a function of following. So I'd like to say to you this morning, to be a disciple, we can, get a, we can get all caught up about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow Jesus, but I'd like to suggest you to, to you this morning that's actually a function of leaving and a function of following. As long as we can get those two things right, true discipleship is demonstrated by both. And, and this morning, I just really I haven't got time to unpack that massive thought, but well, I just want to quickly talk about the leaving, because this is specifically, later in the Bible, we see Peter and his mates and how we see the, uh, the following unpacked. I just want to talk about more about the leaving this morning. See, because here's the thing, if the character in the movie that I described, she was being rescued, the handcuffs were, were off her, um, and she was running, and the rescuer was standing directly in front of her. But if she was successful in resisting rescue, even with the rescuer standing directly in front of her, she was just as captive as she was half an hour before. Do you understand that? We can have Jesus right there and so close. We have to leave some things behind, but we find that difficult, don't we? I do, I don't know about you, but I find that difficult. For some reason, we seem to struggle with this whole thought of of surrendering to Jesus and so I just want to talk about that. And the reason I think that this lady had so much struggle, because you, 
you know, at first you think, what a stupid thing to do. You know, someone takes your handcuffs off, you're in a prison, and the first thing you do to that person who took your handcuffs off is belt them over the head with a shovel. You kind of think there's probably a few different approaches you could have used, right? But we, we kind of do that too. And so I was thinking, you know, why did she do that? Because I think this is, this is, this is hopefully will be helpful to us this morning. I think she did that because she had no frame of reference so much for that person. She didn't know them. She, she didn't know where they might be taking them. She didn't know what their motives were. And so I think sometimes we can be like, a little bit like that with Jesus, can't we? We can go, well, I don't really know how that's going to pan out. So I'm going to, sure, I heard, you know, Pastor John or Pastor Tim or one of the other speakers here, this great message about what to do with our lives, but, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Anyone here got children? Yeah. Yeah, I've got children. Anyone try to feed children broccoli? Yeah, that's a contract, isn't it? Eat up your broccoli, mate. I don't like broccoli. You've never had broccoli. I don't like broccoli. You've never tasted it. I'm not, I'm not having broccoli until I've eaten it and it tastes good. Think about that for a minute. I won't eat it until I've had it and it tastes good. We say that to Jesus all the time. Oh, Jesus, I believe that, you know, you're saying that's good, but until I've actually tasted the fruits of something I'm not prepared to taste... Will I step into it? That's what we do. And that's what this lady's thing was. She was like, you know, you're great. You've let me go here, but I don't know if I'm going to trust you out there. And this is us resisting rescue. And, and I think when we do that, I think when we come to that place where we're like, you know what, Jesus, I've trusted you this far, but this time in this situation with the broccoli, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know that I can go there with you. When we do that, I, this is a, I have a phrase for that in my own life. It, it's when I step into the, the I know better than the Bible zone. <laughs> have you ever stepped into the I know better than the Bible zone where there's something in the Word that we just can't do because we're like, I, you know, I think in my situation, in my context, Jesus wasn't aware when he said that, that where I would be t- today. Uh, and, and the funny thing is Jesus, Jesus had, had a chance. And I know, see, these people, if, if you, this is foreign to you perhaps, the whole idea of the better than the people that don't make decisions because they know better than what's in the Bible. And they're in churches, not in this church, but in different places you'll find them, okay? Um, the I know better than the Bible crowd. And Jesus even had them in sort of following him, would you believe? There's a moment in Jesus's um, ministry where I, I, I think he, he gets a little bit frustrated. Is that okay? Is that theologically? Did Jesus ever get, I don't know. I, Tim's going to fix everything I've mucked up, he said later. So, but I reckon there's, there's this bit in the Bible where I reckon Jesus gets frustrated and you find it in Luke chapter six. I think this is just funny. I, I, I see myself saying this actually, probably I reckon I would have said the same thing. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says this. I just love it when you see the humanity in the Bible. And Jesus is going on about something. And then he, he turns to a few fellows and he says this. He says, and he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? <laughs> I thought, that's pretty funny. It's a fair comment though, isn't it? And, and then what he does though, after that moment in time, Jesus goes on to tell a story. I love it when Jesus tells stories. So he goes on to tell a story, and he tells it in Luke chapter 6. But I, I want to read it from Matthew, um, because I think Matthew recorded it a little bit better. I just like the way the words are really more so. In, in Matthew chapter 7, so Jesus has just been going along, and then all of a sudden he turns to these guys and goes, don't call me Lord. You're not doing anything that I say. And then he tells this story in Matthew chapter 7, um, which is just 
is something that we've been talking about a lot in Roma this year. Um, this little passage here in, in Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I'm just going to talk about that in a second, but I just need to quickly ask a question. Perfect. Sorry about that. I should have wrote that down. So <laughs> I apologize. When I'm at home, I finish when I finish. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. I just want to be very mindful of time and I've lost track. So anyway, we're talking about this scripture. I just want to read this verse 24 again. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. I just want to play with your theology a little bit this morning. What did Jesus say there? Did he say anyone who who hears my words and, and, and then does them becomes wise? You might have to look at it again. He actually doesn't say that. He says, anyone who hears my words and does it is wise. So what I wanted to suggest to you this morning, that building your house on the rock, so we're talking about building a house and the rock stands for Jesus. Okay, so, so Jesus is saying, if you listen to my words and do what I say, your life will stand anything. He says, any storm that comes. And that's the, the rock is the word and the foundation of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ, right? So the rock. So when I'm talking about the rock, that's what I'm talking about. So Jesus says, if you build your house on, my ro- on the rock, you'll withstand anything. And so to build a house on the rock, because here's the thing, we think that if we sort of come to Jesus, he'll make us wise, don't we? We think he'll sprinkle us with wise dust and we can make stupid decisions, and, but Jesus will help us. Be. This is not what the scripture's saying here. He says to be wise, if you are wise, that's what you will do. So, so my thought to you this morning, just and I'm going to move on from this in a second, but my thought for us this morning is the rock didn't make him wise, it made him indestructible. That's what we've been talking about in Roma this year. We've been talking about the fact that the rock makes you indestructible. To be indestructible, what do we have to do? We, it, it, it's a great leveler. It's a great leveler because there's, there's in this room, I would assume, there'd be a whole heap of different levels of intellect, right? That's just humanity. That's just how we're built. But it says here to be wise, all you have to do is find out what Jesus said and do it and you're wise. That anybody here can do that. You know, it doesn't matter how old, you know, how long you've been doing this journey. Maybe you're Peter who says, I'm a sinful man, get away from me. And Jesus says, drop your nets and follow and you just do. Right there, you're as wise as the guys who's been on this journey forever. And so the, the thought that the, the, indestruct, the, the rock makes us indestructible is extremely powerful for us. Because if you were to just, if I was to just find out what God is saying to me in any given time, any given moment, or if with my life and what he's calling me to do, I have a knowledge and a confidence that in that area of life, my life, I'm building indestructibility. And, you know, I started preaching at the start of the year and I started getting a bit of pushback. It's like, Shane, you can't say, you can't say that you can, um, if you, you know, follow Jesus, you won't have storms in your life. And so I said, I never said that. I said, Jesus promises storms. He was very clear. What I'm saying is, if we could just 
resist rescue, if we could just not resist rescue a little bit, if we could just get hold of what Jesus is saying and what the Word of God says and just do it, the Word of God says it doesn't matter what the storm is. It's indestructible. You're indestructible. And we've been talking this year about building the indestructible life. That's been our theme for the year. And we're saying, you can build the indestructible life and I could build the indestructible life. You're wise enough to, if you could just hear the words of Jesus and do what it says. If we can, any of us that can do that, any of us that choose to do that, any of us that will be prepared to surrender can build the indestructible life. And I find that very exciting, very exciting. And they're the words of Jesus. So here's, so here's the thought for the disciples, going back to when that, that story I read earlier, where they're in the boat and Jesus says, put your nets down, and we read that. And, and just put yourself, because sometimes in life, we, and I said this earlier, the better than the, I know better than the Bible crowd. We think, God doesn't know my situation. Have you ever said that to yourself? Have you ever said, yeah, sure. Sure, Pastor John. Yeah, it's easy for you. Do you know my situation? Well, think about the disciples for a minute. These guys are professional fishermen. That's what they do for a job. They, speaking about blessed earlier, professional fishermen, they are blessed amongst us. So this is what they do for a living every day. They, they go out and they go fishing. You know, that's what, that's what we put on the back of our cars. I mean, I've gone fishing, you know, if you're looking for me. That's, that's every day for these guys. They're professionals. That's what they do. They understand the lake. They understand the tides. They understand all that stuff. I love going with fishermen because they understand all that. That's not me. So <laughs> I just love going with someone who knows stuff. I'm more likely to catch a fish. And so there they are. They've been fishing all night and caught nothing. What was Jesus' occupation? He's a carpenter, wasn't he? He's a chippy. So put yourself, you know, oh, God, you don't know my situation. So here's this chippy rolls up to these professional fishermen and says, hey, boys, why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? You're going to catch something. I would have said, I'm going to throw my net, mate. Ain't be where you're saying. Doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. They're professionals in their field. But they, for some reason, for some reason, here's the reason, I reckon. I mean, we're just, we're just sort of hypothesizing this morning, aren't we? But imagine you're that fisherman and you've been fishing all night and caught nothing. And as annoying as it would have been to hear that from the side, hey, throw them on the other side, mate. What's in your hand? You've got empty, stinky nets. Stinky nets that are empty. You've got nothing. And so I reckon that's what they thought. I, th- I reckon they just thought, you know what? Why not? I don't like folding these nets anyway. <laughs> we'll go out there and throw them back in. And I think, that can be, I think that's why they did it. I think they realized that as long as they continued to hang on to their own stinky nets, they were going to end up with the same result for that day. But it was by putting the words of Jesus into action and following him. Because here's the other thing about this whole thought. The whole thought of us not resisting rescue, listening to the words of Jesus and doing what he says. The minute they, the minute they put the nets out, now it's a logical It's illogical that if they've been fishing all night just to put them on the other side of the boat, that's not going to change anything. It's illogical. But they put them on the other side of the the boat and we read the results. Just, that's supernatural. That's supernatural. There wasn't like some freak, you know, whatever. And here's the thought. Here's the thought in that. 
Because when we're saying, when we're resisting rescue and we're saying, God, I don't want to eat the broccoli, we're saying, I don't see it yet, or that's not my experience, or you don't know my situation. Anytime we're saying that, that's the perfect place for a miracle, isn't it? And if we're waiting for the logical conclusion to follow what Jesus has said before we'll do it, we'll never experience the supernatural in our life. You'll never see the supernatural power of God in your life when we've always got to wait for it to be a logical conclusion to putting into place the words of Jesus. If they had have just stuck there, if they just stuck with that and said, you know what, we know the results of fishing because we know the laws of the sea. If they hadn't listened to Jesus, they never would have saw the supernatural in their life. And we're the same. We can talk ourselves out of the supernatural. And when we do, we find ourselves in the, I know better than the Bible crowd. Yeah, we all have elements of that in our life. Well, I know, you know, I, I know better than the Bible. And, and, and when we make that choice, when we like, I know better than the Bible, we end up holding on to our own stinky nets for a lot longer. So, so the thought is to be rescued at times, if we want to be rescued, if we don't want to be that person who resists rescue, we've got to have a drop the nets moment. There's got to be a drop the nets moment. And, and I believe this, this if, if you've journeyed with Jesus for a long time, you would know that there's, there's just not one, is it? There's, this is an ongoing thing, an ongoing journey where, where Jesus says, hey, you know what, I've got more for you over here. But to do that, you know, there's more fish in the sea, if you like. I love what you're experiencing now, that's great. But there's more out there for you. If you could just drop your nets. So what are some areas what are some areas that we need to surrender to Jesus and drop your nets? Oh, this is obviously could be an extremely long list, but I've just pulled a few things out for you this morning to just for us to think about. This is just a thinking message to go, you know what, for us, each of us to go, you know what, Jesus, what areas am I resisting rescue? What areas have you been speaking to me about? Maybe for years, you know? So I just want to throw a few of those out there and just see where it lands if you like. But, so what are some areas? So maybe we're resisting connection, connection with other Christians regularly, like a small group or church. And maybe you've got some people in your world who are resisting rescue. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard anyone say, oh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian? I have. Yeah, well, there's an element of truth to that. I would suggest that person's resisting rescue. I would be suggesting that there's more out there. It's more for that person because it says in the word, do not forsake gathering together, you know, with like-minded people. And if you're in it, you know, I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there this morning. But if you're in a small group and we know we have them, what do we call them here, Tim? Connect groups? Life groups? Yeah. So if you're in a life group, um, you would know that the, the joy that it brings, the blessing, the challenge and all that. You would know what it means to be in a life group. You would know that, yeah, I, you know, we're all busy. You know, we've all got stuff on. Um, but you would know the moment you said, you know what, I could continue to fold this net, stinky net here, or no, I'll just put it down and I'll sneak off to small group. I'll sneak off um, to life group. You would know the blessing and the fish you get out of that. You know, but you have to leave. There's always got to be a leaving of something. You know, there's got to be a leaving and a following. So, so maybe that's something. What about resisting getting on board? This is a big one. What about resisting getting on board with being generous with our time and our finances? Oh, that's a biggie, isn't it? Because nobody's got any time. I've never actually had the conversation where someone has said to me, um, oh, yeah, I've got heaps of time, Shane. Yeah, I'd love to do everything. You know, like, That's not most people in the world, is it? We've all got a lot on. We've all got a lot on. But Jesus is, these guys were, these guys, they'd been, they were tired too. If you, have, have you ever fished all night? I've fished all night. 
um, it's exhausting. Um, probably more exhausting when you're doing it by nets and dragging them in. They had a fair bit on, but they were still, they were like, you know what, if Jesus said it, if Jesus said it, well, maybe we'll have to give it a go. What's the worst thing that could happen? You know, and that's with our time and our finances. There's something about building the kingdom, isn't there? There's a, is there a joy and a blessing and a, and a reward in being, building the kingdom? There is, isn't there? There's fish in it. But it requires leaving. It requires me to go, you know what, I'm gonna leave something of mine over here so I can just follow the words of Jesus and then be what it may, be what it may. So there's, there's, that's another big one. What about leaving old habits or attitudes or excuses for being less behind? Always got an excuse, haven't we? I, I tell my church all the time, don't give me an excuse, just tell me you prioritise something else. <laughs> I tell them all the time, we're, don't give me an excuse, just tell me you prioritise something else. Because that's the case, isn't it? Well, if we're going to be honest, are we allowed to be honest in church? Sometimes we are. That was one of those honest times in church moments. Leaving old stuff behind. The payoff is never logical, is it? It's never logical. We never um, expect what God drops in our, in our lap, I suppose, if you like. So what, what nets? I'm just going to be specific on a couple of nets now this morning that, that, we need, that I think everyone we, we need to think about. One of the things I think is big in our world is our attitude about who we are. Sometimes that's a net we've got to drop, an attitude about who we are. You know, sometimes it's, it's um, something that was, I suppose, put in us from a young person when we were just young. Maybe it was a teacher or a parent or, a, or, so, or, or even someone of a sporting team who spoke something into our world and just got into our spirit. And so I could never be this or I could never be that because I've had this negativity spoken over me and you know even you look around at church maybe you go oh wow look at that person I, I could never I think we got to drop the net on that I think we got to drop the net on those types of attitudes and we got to say you know what God has said in his word because this is all about what Jesus says and following it through God says that I am a new creation God says that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God says his footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. These are the things that God is saying about us, and yet we'll be hanging on to this stinky net of an attitude of something somebody said 30 years ago, and I'll never be this, and I'll never be that. It's time to drop those nets. Because any time we hold on to that and we think, you know, I could never, we're resisting rescue. Because here's the thought on that whole thing. Anytime we say that, we limit the redemptive work of the cross. Anytime there's, I'll never be this or I'll never be that or God could never do that for me or I could never reach that place. And we limit, we're putting a ceiling on the redemptive work of the cross. What's going on? Resisting rescue. Attitudes of nets we've got to drop. What else have we got? What about, what about Addictions. There's a, what about addictions in our life where you're telling yourself, I can't beat this or I've tried and I've tried and then maybe you even get to a point where you're like, it's all right, it's okay. Got to drop the net on that. What's Jesus saying to you? Even in this moment, what's Jesus saying right now? What's Jesus asking you to follow? What's he asking you to leave? You know, because we, we, we tell ourselves some of this stuff, don't we? We go, oh, you know, we'll be okay. It's not affecting anything Resist it. Stop resisting the rescue. What about relationships? 
Maybe this morning, just, just like I said, I'm just, just firing a few shots this morning. Maybe there's something you need to let go of in a relationship for it to blossom. Ever been there? I remember, I think, I don't know who it was. It might have been Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks, anyone aware where he, I'm from Rome. I'm allowed to say the words Garth Brooks in a sentence. He used to sing this song called, um, called um, you know, I don't know what it's called, but it, it, there was a line and it said, you bury the hatchet, but you leave the handle sticking out. <laughs> That's not healthy for a relationship, by the way. You know, sometimes we do, don't we? We hang on to stuff in a relationship. We just let it go. And the Holy Spirit's just saying to you, just, just forgive. You know, and this could be anywhere. You know, sometimes we, you talk about relationships, you might be thinking of marriage or whatever, but this could be at work. This could be your boss. This could be the young fella who started last week and he's a moron and you haven't taught him anything yet. You know what I'm saying? Just let it go. It's not helping you. It's not helping anyone. Sometimes in, in, you know, in relationships, if we want something to blossom, there's stuff we just got to let go of. You know, and Jesus is, Jesus is there for that. That's, that's what he said. He said, I'll help you. I'll give you the grace for it. I'll give you the grace for it. Faith. I might land here this morning. Maybe if you're in, the, in church here this morning, maybe you're visiting, maybe you're visiting with a friend. Maybe you've been here all year. And you love hearing the messages and you love hearing, um, you know, what the pastors are saying about your relationship with Jesus and how God speaks to them and all that. But, but you're like, you know what? God never speaks to me like that. I've never heard. Maybe you hear these stories of the supernatural provision of the God and, or, or maybe you hear the stories of supernatural or, or God's just um, doing stuff in people's lives. And you're like, yeah, that's not me. I've never, never never experienced that. I've, I've never felt that. And, and maybe you've even doubted that you can have a relationship with Jesus beyond the knowledge that he exists. Maybe you're like, you know what? I know that Jesus is real. I know that he died and I know that he rose and I want to put my faith in Jesus. But, but I don't, this whole idea of a relationship, I, I don't get that. And maybe you've put it to the side. Maybe it's just not for me. But I'd like to say to you this morning, if that's you, if you're holding on to that, and you're like, this, this, this relationship that other people talk about, I don't think that's gonna be my thing. I'd just like to say to you this morning, drop your net. If you're holding on to that thought, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that you're resisting rescue. Because Jesus come that we all might have relationship with Him, not a knowledge of. Maybe there's something that we need to do. Maybe this morning as I've been talking about resisting rescue and you've just been thinking, you know, there's, they're probably, Shane, to be honest, that maybe there are a couple of little spots where I've, I'm happy with, with where I'm going over here, but just over here, I've been, I really have been resisting rescue. And maybe it's in that area of your faith and maybe you've just given up on having a great relationship with Jesus. One, one that sees supernatural things happen. Because I reckon any time we drop our nets, Anytime we, we, we refuse to resist rescue, I believe we'll see the supernatural in our world. And that can be your story this morning. So could I just share with you one last thought from a droid in a movie franchise. Congratulations, church. You are being rescued. Please do not resist. Can I pray with you? Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are the great rescuer. You definitely are the great rescuer. Lord, and I, I just thank you that you're rescuing each one of us continually despite ourselves. And Lord God, for each of us as a church this morning, as individuals, Lord God, I pray that you just show us 
point, put your finger on those little areas, maybe ones we're not aware of, and help us to resist rescue. Lord God, help us to put you first. Help us to be the followers. Help us to build that indestructible life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 